If you think that the inner critic is responsible for your success, I'm not going to argue against that. By all means, keep following the inner critic. But what I want you to know is there's a cost to it. There's a cost to the quality of life that you follow or quality of life that you have. So if you're always listening to the inner critic and always taking her advice, that will rob you of joy because you always will be working harder and you'll always be pushing yourself and you won't be as receptive to finding joy in your life. Welcome to Is This All There Is? the podcast for high-achieving women who have checked all the boxes and are left feeling overwhelmed, unfulfilled, and stuck. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ryan Fear, and in each episode, we'll use principles of cognitive psychology, feminist theory, and expert mindset coaching to help you build the confidence and clarity you need to accomplish whatever it is you want, even if you don't yet know what that is. Hey everybody, how is it going? Welcome to the podcast this week. I have a lot of good stuff for you that I'm excited about. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is that it's officially fall here in the Pacific Northwest. And even though the weather is still gorgeous, which I'm really grateful for, it's starting to get darker a little bit earlier, which I don't like. (laughs) I'm not a fan of it being dark all the time, but it's officially fall, which is the season of letting go of things. So in my coaching calls this week, I've been focusing on what are the things that you would like to let go of, whether it's a responsibility or it's something physical or tangible, like maybe you would like to just purge your closet and get rid of some things. Or maybe it's something more subtle, like a thought that you keep thinking that you're not good enough, a belief that you can't do what it is that you want to do. So I would encourage you to do some thinking about what is it that you would like to go up this season? I was just coaching a client earlier this morning who's in New Zealand who is in a totally different seasonal situation. It's the beginning of spring for her. So we were talking about what would you like to see spring up? What would you like to see germinate in your life this spring? Which is another way of thinking about what would you like to let go of? Because as you know, we have finite time and finite energy and you can't do all of the things all at once. So what is it that you will need to let go of so you can focus on what you want more of? So do some thinking of that from either the autumn angle or the spring angle? What is it that you would like more of in your life? And what is it time to say goodbye to? Let me know if you need any help with that. Uh, Drop me a comment, send me an email. But today's topic is actually along the lines of letting go of something. And that is the voice of the inner critic. So there are a lot of different terms for the inner critic. Uh, Some people call it the inner mean girl. Some people call it the gremlins. Some people call it the negative talk track in their head. So whatever it is that you call it, what I'm talking about is that voice in your head that's so stinking critical (laughs) that's always telling you that there's not enough time. You can't do what you want to do. You're going to screw it up. Everybody's going to find out, you know, that voice. 
So the reason I want to address that is because really, I mean, the foundation of my coaching work is that your thoughts create your reality. And so if you're spending your life following the direction of your inner critic, that is keeping you from living either your biggest, most expansive version of your life or the life that you want to live, however you want to look at it. I know some of you are at a point where you're like, I don't want to live a bigger life. In fact, I want to kind of weed some things out and scale back. And some of you are like, yeah, I'm using a ton of energy and a ton of time, but I don't like the results that I'm getting. So maybe you do want a bigger, bolder, more version of your life. So I really want to address both just because I'm talking about playing bigger or living a more expansive version of your life. I'm not necessarily talking about doing more things or taking on more responsibility. I'm talking about living a life that's truer to who you are. Side note, I'm still fighting bronchitis, feeling better. In fact, today is the first day that I've worked like a whole day at my desk without having to go take a nap. So that's good, but I still don't have much of a voice. So thanks for bearing with me. Makes it tricky for recording podcasts. There are a lot of things I want you to know about the inner critic. First and foremost is that having an inner critic isn't abnormal and it doesn't mean something's gone wrong. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. We all have inner critics. If you have a human brain, you have an inner critic. So the people you see who seem to have it all together, who have infinite confidence, it's not that they don't have an inner critic, it's just that they've learned to work with that voice. A lot of the wisdom around the inner critic is that you have to ignore it, you have to squash it down, you have to yell back at it. But if you've tried any of those things, you know that those simply don't work. I like to think of our inner critic as like a toddler. And if you've ever had a toddler in your life, you know what happens if a toddler's trying to get your attention and you ignore them. They're just going to get louder. And that's the same with the inner critic. So when you hear that voice telling you that, well, you better reread that email for the fourth time because you might have screwed it up. If you ignore it or yell at it or lash out at it, it's just going to get louder. Another myth about the inner critic is a lot of the successful women that I work with attribute their success to that voice of the inner critic. They think that they wouldn't have accomplished as much as they have without listening to that voice. And what I want to say about that is you have actually been successful in spite of the voice of the inner critic. The inner critic can keep you, it's basically a micromanager, right? I don't know if you've ever had a boss who's a micromanager who has, they're involved with all of the details of your work and they're really critical and they're kind of like, all up in your business, as opposed to having a boss who is really more hands-off and is concerned with your development and really wants to be more of a mentor than a boss. That's the difference between the inner critic, which is the micromanager, versus kind of the larger, more loving voice that you also have inside of you. So The inner critic can help you get a lot done. It can help you be a busy worker bee. It can make sure that you don't have any grammatical errors in your communication, but it can't really help you grow into your most expansive, most fulfilled self. 
So there's some costs to following the voice of the inner critic that I want to make sure that you're aware of. Because really, for any belief you have or any thought you have, you're always welcome to hold on to it. If you think that the inner critic is responsible for your success, I'm not going to argue against that. By all means, keep following the inner critic. But what I want you to know is there's a cost to it. There's a cost to the quality of life that you follow or quality of life that you have. So if you're always listening to the inner critic and always taking her advice, I'll uh, give her a gender. If you're always taking her advice, that will rob you of joy because you always will be working harder and you'll always be pushing yourself and you won't be as receptive to finding joy in your life. There's a cost to your professional life. Like I said, listening to the inner critic can make it so that you have no typos on your slide deck. It can make it make you proofread emails 400 times. It can make you consider contingency plan A through F. But if you listen to the critic, you're not going to take as many risks which also means that you won't make the contribution that you're meant to make. Now, I want to circle back to that a little bit later because that's kind of the biggest reason to not listen to your inner critic or to not take what she says to heart. So we'll we'll put a pin in that. That phrase hasn't driven me crazy yet. I apologize if it's driving you crazy. So what I want you to ask yourself is, can your inner critic help you play bigger Can she help you play more boldly, more quickly, and with greater enjoyment? Can your inner critic motivate you to pursue your callings? No, (laughs) I'm just going to tell you no, she can't. There are health costs to following your inner critic. When we're motivated by fear of failure, and that's really what the inner critic is, is your brain's trying to keep you from feeling failure. Stress hormones flood our systems, and long-term stress is correlated with a variety of health problems, from heart disease to asthma to depression. Human bodies are not designed to be in a stress state all of the time for hours each day, and it wrecks our health if we are. And you know from personal experience that listening to the voice of your inner critic keeps you at that high stress state. So if you care about your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being, which I'm guessing you do because you're listening to this podcast, Listening to the inner critic is not a viable way to stay motivated. So first and foremost, here's what I want you to know about the inner critic is the inner critic isn't you. And a lot of you probably think that it is. Like you think that's just how I talk to myself. Many times when I introduce the idea that the inner critic is not who we really are, someone will say to me, no, actually this this is who I really am. This is how my voice, this is how my thinking sounds. This is the me that I know in my own head. And if you feel that way, that simply means that the voice of the inner critic has taken over as the dominant voice within, but it doesn't always have to be that way. This can happen for a number of reasons. Working in a role or attending an academic program in which critical thinking is the dominant mode. So when we spend years strengthening the critical thinking muscle, which looks like poking holes in ideas, finding the problems with potential solutions. Assessment, skepticism, and criticism become the dominant modes in which we respond not only to our work, but also to our own dreams. When it comes to our aspirations, a more nurturing and generative response would serve us a lot better than the voice of the inner critic. 
especially in my clients who work in fields like education or law or medicine, when you're used to asking the question, what could go horribly wrong if we pursue this course of action? The inner critic is an especially, an especially loud voice. Or if we received constant criticism from people in our lives in early childhood and we've internalized their voices, we might think the voice of the inner critic is just simply how we think. When I started doing this work years ago, unpacking the voice of my inner critic, it wasn't necessarily a voice of a family member, but it was a voice of a boss that I had years back who I was always trying to impress. And I always was thinking in her voice in my head of what would be the repercussions of this choice? Or what would she say about that? And I internalized her voice early on in my career, and then just eventually that became the voice of my inner critic. Another reason you might think that the voice of the critic is really just you, just how you think, is maybe the critic has won out for now. For many women, there's this self-compounding quality to the inner critic. And once she's allowed to be in charge, the critic takes more and more control kind of like a conqueror gathering territory. It's if you leave a disease, a progressive disease untreated, this worsens over time. And as it does, your comfort zone shrinks. So when that happens, you'll start to feel like the inner critic is just you because it's the primary voice in your head. But what I want you to know is if it feels really true that that's just how you talk to yourself, that's just the voice in your head, it's really not. And that's a lot of the work that we do in coaching is helping you to see your thoughts, become aware of your thoughts, and then decide if that's the way that you want to continue thinking or look at other ways of thinking. Because really, your thoughts create your reality. And so if you don't like where your reality is, the first place we start is your thoughts, because that's where you have control. You're in for some amazing changes if you start doing this work and start separating yourself out from your thoughts. So when you notice the inner critic, awareness is the first step. That's what I always say. It's important to label it. So it might help to know a little bit where the inner critic comes from. It's basically your brain trying to keep you safe. So we all have this mechanism in our brain that's kept us alive over generations. And it's become highly developed to protect us from feeling negative emotions. As I mentioned last week, our brain, part of our brain's job is to keep us safe. It keeps us from walking into bus, walking into buses, <laughs> walking in front of buses, doing crazy skateboard flips if we've never been on a skateboard. You know, that part of our brain keeps us safe. But it also keeps us emotionally safe because our brain, in its special brain way, doesn't want us to feel emotions like shame or disappointment or fear. So this is where the inner critic comes in. When you start to contemplate living your most fulfilled, joyful, amazing life, then the voice of the inner critic gets scared because on the other side of that is disappointment and shame. In fact, I just got coached on this by my coach. Full transparency is I had a coaching contract for a year-long coaching contract that I was really excited about. And then it felt through and I just felt awful. Like I felt shame, disappointment, like I was bummed because I was really looking forward to it. And 
my inner critic really piped in. The voice was like, well, you must have screwed it up somehow. Like you didn't really show them the value of coaching, all of the things. And my coach was like, what if this has nothing about, what if this has nothing to do with you? What if this isn't about you? Which of course is a brilliant question because what if it doesn't? And really what was happening was my brain didn't like the feeling of shame or the feeling of disappointment. And so I thought, well, if I beat myself up enough about it, then I won't do whatever thing I did that caused me to screw this up so I won't have to feel the shame and disappointment in the future. So it's almost like the inner critic is shame insurance. It's like insurance that you won't feel shame or disappointment. So anyway, so um, it's your brain trying to keep you safe from feeling an emotion you don't want to feel especially if you're contemplating reaching for a big goal or a dream you have, your inner critic's going to shut that down. Because the more important, the more exciting, the more vulnerable something is for you, the faster your brain is going to want to shut that down. Because living your most expansive, biggest, most authentic life, whatever that looks for you, looks like for you is scary right? Because on the other side of that is disappointment. It's kind of like when we say things like, well, I don't want to get my hopes up. It's like you're insuring yourself against feeling disappointed. And that's what the inner critic does. The inner critic is basically, I'm going to tell you all these nasty things so that you don't go for your dreams because going for your dreams can be scary and you could be disappointed. So the inner critic is worried about keeping you safe and free from disappointment. It doesn't care if you're fulfilled along the way. It's like, it's like this insurance that's keeping you from feeling these emotions that you don't want to feel. Okay, so navigating the inner critic. The first step is to recognize and realizing that it's only one voice. It's only your brain's way of keeping you safe, right? It's actually pretty well-intentioned. The more that you can recognize this voice and be aware that It's just a mechanism in your brain trying to keep you safe. The less power it has, the less loud it becomes. For example, I like to point out to my clients their brain's greatest hits. Like one of my clients, her brain loves to say, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to do that. There's not enough time today. We don't have enough time to do that. That's part of the voice of the inner critic, right? You can't do this new fabulous thing because you don't have enough time. So recognizing and realizing that that's just a thought and all of our thoughts are optional. You can choose to think differently. It's almost like you remind yourself, you redirect your brain. Again, your brain's like a toddler. So what do you do when a toddler's having a tantrum? You sit there with it and you redirect it. You can remind your brain, we don't think that way anymore. When your brain's, oh, you suck. (laughs) You suck at life. Thanks, brain, for trying to keep me safe, but we don't think that way anymore. This is not the way that we're thinking anymore because you could always choose a different thought. All of your thoughts are optional. So recognizing the voice of the inner critic, realizing it's just a thought and thoughts are optional. The other tool for managing the inner critic that's kind of fun to do is giving it a persona. You may have heard this before. This comes from Tara Moore's book, Playing Big, which I absolutely love. Pick it up if you don't already have it. She recommends giving your inner critic a persona, a personality. So maybe it's based on 
if you can think of who the person was that became the voice of your inner critic, if you can identify a person. So I like to do this exercise with clients because we really do it over the top. Like most of my clients, actually, I think all of my clients' inner critics are female, so they give them a sex. And most of them are older women. And they're older women who really have the client's best interests at heart, but they're kind of mean and kind of nasty. And so one of one of my clients gave her inner critic the name Marge. And Marge was always in charge, right? Marge was the supervisor. And so once she gave Marge a persona and we talked about like how Marge dressed and what she looked like and what some of her catchphrases were, it became so much easier for her to notice Marge in her head and almost have a conversation with Marge. Thanks for keeping me safe, Marge, but I'm going to go ahead and do this thing anyway. Another tool for navigating your inner critic is a universal tool. So I had talked about how the inner critic is kind of your brain's way of ensuring that you don't feel disappointment or shame, but it's insurance to keep you from feeling disappointment or shame because it keeps you from taking risks. And you want to be taking risks. You want to be moving forward. You want to be you know, the phrase failing forward. I was just thinking about that. You want to be taking action to get the results that you want. So if you're listening to the inner critic, yeah, it's keeping you safe, but it's also keeping you small. So being able to manage your emotions is 100% helpful in navigating your inner critic. Because when you can feel disappointment, when you can feel shame, when you can feel fear, and not react to them or avoid them or resist them, when you're going to actually let those emotions be present in your body, then you can become unstoppable. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but everything you want really is on the other side of disappointment. If you're willing to feel disappointed, if you're willing to feel shame, nothing's going to stop you. Nothing's going to hold you back. And so then that takes a lot of the power out of the inner critic because of the inner critics, yeah, if you volunteer to lead that project and you fail colossally, think about how embarrassing that will be for you. If you're not worried about being embarrassed, if you can feel that emotion in your body and know that you'll survive, you'll be unstoppable. Okay, so to recap, the voice of the inner critic is not you. It's your brain's way of keeping you safe. You can, by all means, spend your life listening to that voice and following its advice, but that'll keep you playing small. And there are physical, emotional, spiritual health costs to following the voice of your inner critic. The inner critic is just thoughts, and all of your thoughts are optional. You never have to keep a thought. You never have to get rid of a thought either. The inner critic, its main concern is keeping you safe. It's keeping you from feeling disappointment and shame. It doesn't care if you're fulfilled. It's, it's like shame and disappointment insurance. So if you would like to learn more about navigating your inner critic, about managing your emotions, about being aware of your thoughts and managing your thinking, I have a couple of opportunities for you. I do have a navigating your inner critic challenge coming up. It's going to be October 10th through the 14th, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can sign up for that. 
We're going to do all sorts of groovy stuff to help you navigate that voice of your inner critic so it doesn't hold you back anymore from living the life that you want to live. It'll be a free challenge. Um, I'm still putting together the logistics of it, but it will basically be a new lesson each day over those five days, plus an opportunity for coaching and support. So that'll be super fun. And if you're ready to learn how to manage your thinking to get the results that you want to get on purpose and become emotionally unstoppable, to be able to manage any emotion that comes up and basically be able to set any goal, figure out what actual goals you want to achieve, set any goal and achieve them with a lot less brain drama, then I would encourage you to apply for my group coaching program. It's called Metamorphosis. It's six months. We start at the end of October and we will do all sorts of amazing activities to help you learn to work with your brain to get the life that you want. Right, my friends? I hope you're doing well, and I will talk to you next week. If you found this podcast helpful, head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Go ahead and send it to a friend while you're at it. Thank you. My mission in life is to liberate women from the limiting beliefs that are holding them back from living their fullest, most joyful lives. If you'd like to learn more about my work, check out my website at www.amandaryanfear.com where you can find links to join my free private Facebook group and to learn more about working with me.